Another Ian Collins wants a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi Shogun. The highly capable and surprisingly affordable Shogun is now up to £5,000 cheaper than before. And it's so rugged and hard-working, it'll make other 4x4s go weak at the knees. How do you do? Are you terribly well? I can see you are. Good show. Ian Collins wants a word. Oh, you couldn't make it up, did you, Kev? Uh, here's an email, by the way. Did you know we got an email uh, from Mark in Evesham, wherever the hell that is? Uh, Dear Ian and Kev's... Kev's? There's more than one Kev. Dear Ian and all the Kev's, do yourself a rather beautiful favour and please try and book the legend and entity that is Chris Moyles as a guest on your podcast. Why wouldn't you? A, A, says Mark in Evesham. Why wouldn't we, Kev? Uh, let's think about that for a second. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he's a bit of a... On the show, this. Hello, cabbies. 5,000 groats worth of this. This is a serious business we're talking about. You know, these are areas where you, people disappear. Ah, you see? That's paranormal expert and all-round news-reading god, Howard Hughes, back on the show. And we'd be left looking more embarrassed than Charlotte Church at the... Hi there, I might have been around for a while, but at least I've managed to retain my good looks and sexy demeanour convention. If we didn't serve up some of this... But it's not all good, kids. Because look who's here. Turning up like a... What's it? Uh, it's the executive producer. I just want to laugh when I say that, for obvious reasons. It is Sideshow Kev. Oh, you're so nice. I know. Yeah. I know. How are you? Yeah, good. I like your shirt today. Do you like this? Yeah, I know you'd like to go for the checkered ones, but that has a particular uh, vibrancy to it. Do you think so? You don't often see on a shirt on a man your age. <laughs> You don't see them much in this era, do you, really? <laughs> no, you don't, no. Ah, is, it, is it tailored? Is it custom-made so I've you? never had a, t- a shirt made. That would be extravagance, wouldn't it? I guess you could have shirts made. You could do. I think they're quite hard to make. But you're a fan of tailors in general. I mean, you know. I quite Yeah, I think the old tailored whistle uh, is a good thing to have. Yeah. But I, I do understand from talking to folk who have had lots of this caper done, I've had the odd one, interviewed a couple of these merchants over the years, that tailoring a shirt... Different animal. Leave it alone. I can imagine it would. Be. Leave it alone. So, but your suit tailors would also tailor you a, a shirt, presumably. Some can. Some leave it alone. Really? Yeah, because I think it's an, a ball leg. Are there any people who just specialize in in shirt? Got to be. Tail- got to be. Got to be, isn't it? Got to be a shirt. Just shirts only. Yeah. Shirt merchants. <laughs> I did. I did go. <laughs> that sounds wrong. The shirt. <laughs> shirt merchants. The, I did. No, I, I did go. I didn't tell you this. Did I ever tell you this? I don't know until well, you tell I, me. I wanted some black shirts. So there was a shop where they don't actually tailor shirts, but they do. It's kind of off-the-peg tailoring. They will kind of pimp a shirt, if well, you like. Well, like iron it for you. Yeah, well, I think they have a standard body of a shirt, and you say, well, I want a collar like that. I want cuffs like that. I, don't, oh. I want three buttons here, not two. And they do that. So you pay a little bit more, but not a lot more. And I went through a phase of only wanting to wear black shirts. So right. I thought, this is easy. I'll get seven of these suckers from this place. They were beautiful. And I went in, I ordered the whole thing, seven shirts. I said, that'll be about three weeks. Come back in, pick up your seven shirts. Very, very excited. In fact, I'd done an overnight show. And I thought, I'm not going to... I got the text the day before saying, your shirts are ready to pick up. Nice. Great news. I thought, what I'm going to do, after I finish the night show, I'm not going to go home to bed like I normally would. I'm going to go find a greasy spoon, have a right old breakfast, and then I'm going to nip down the shops, pick up my shirts. And I went in, 
and uh, there was these beautiful seven boxes oh. all ready to go. Oh, Did they have your name like, on them? Yeah, all of that. Like yeah, monogram nice. thing on the front? Sit, sit down, Mr. Collins, if you oh. wouldn't mind. Yeah, sat down. And he said, we'll show you one. He said, they're, they're all the same, obviously. Open the box, a pink shirt. <laughs> and I said, seriously? And he said, yeah, is there something wrong? I said, yeah, they're black shirts. And he looked at the other boxes, obviously. They were all pink shirts. Right. Uh, he was mortified. Uh, what it, it was one number away. I mean, it could have been any... If it had been white, it wouldn't have been quite so bad. But two things happened. He said, do you want them anyway for nothing? Why me? And I said, well, I felt a bit greedy. And I said, um, one of them maybe could go to a, a breast cancer fundraiser. Very good cause. You know, in the pink shirt. Yeah. It, it would have that effect. He said, so anyway, we won't charge it. So I had one. My mate was with me at the time. He had one as well. Right. And the, the rest we left there. They made the black shirts, never charged me for the black shirts. I still don't know if that was a mistake or whether that was their way of apologising. Right. But either way, it was quids in, and I, I got my black shirts. Now I hate fucking black shirts. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. They lasted a while. Yeah. Long old while. But, and now you're all into the checkers and, you know. Now I'm on the old checkers, yeah. Happy checkmate. Well, that's good. That's a pleasure. Yeah. We've got questions, Kev. Entertaining diversion into the world of tailoring there. <laughs> yes, yeah. You see, that's the whole beauty of this podcast. You do. You just well, want any to... of this kind of like, it's a right old mashup, isn't it? Anything can happen. You just want to be Gok Wan. <laughs> With this hair, I'm getting there, aren't I? It's questions and feedback via social media. Goody. <laughs> Uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that. all that sort of nonsense from Denny York Denny Denny mm. says is Halloween a date to celebrate no no definitely not yes do you think so well it is if you've got kids oh who wants oh yeah <laughs> nice that's true I mean obviously uh, kids little ones you know lo- love the idea of going witch crazy and all that it's quite fun I mean, in America, of course, it's it's massive. It's as big as Christmas, and for, for some, it's bigger. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's all based on candy, of course. You know, yeah. Door to door, and just get yourself lots of um, beautiful tumor creating sweets. Oh, you make them sound delicious! How beautiful! Yeah, just essentially buy your kid several bags of sugar. Yeah. On Halloween, that's all you're giving you. That, that, that's what it's about, isn't it? But um, over here. They've been pushing it for years, and it's never quite... Again, I think it's of an age, though. The kids around ours, they go crazy for it. It's like parental supervised sort of... Is it? Everyone dresses up, yep. they're very polite, they say please and thank you and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think if you're of a particular age, it's very exciting. Yes. When but we... you do have a commune, which is... <laughs> yeah. So the, the spirit of these things is already there, isn't it, <laughs> when really? We were, but when we were kids back in the 1800s, it was in, in Scotland, up around Ballyhoo, you'd do a little bit of it, but not that much. We did a little bit of it, um, and it was, re- if we're perfectly honest, the little bit we did was really based on hoping that we'd do the trick rather than get the treat, because we thought that was much more fun. Yeah. Um, but then, obviously, you know, growing up in and around Bromley, you know, essentially a trick was nicking your car. <laughs> uh, so not fun yeah. uh, for people in that neck of the woods, you know. Yeah. Uh, trick or treat, no thank you, you know, somebody put your windows in. Well, you just hope that the treat would be like, oh, we don't have any sweets, that's fine. Give me some money. I think, yes. I think the uh, whole Halloween thing should be banned uh, on, the, well, two reasons, really. Because uh, we're off that week. Yes, we are. Yeah, we're not doing a podcast that week. Because we're, we're out trick-or-treating all week. Yeah. Halloween. We're doing a week long. Uh, but it should be banned for no other reason than the phrase or the word jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's just annoying. When was the last time you scooped out a pumpkin, Kev? I don't think I can answer that. I don't think you should. From 
Bob the Biftin. I don't even know what that means. Uh, scientists say they've discovered a way to bind <laughs> protons. I love the what? fact that somebody is writing to us. They're organised <laughs> scientists. Why are you telling us this? Scientists. People say. email me. Right? Do they think this is tomorrow's world? We mentioned. They seem to think we're like on the Big Bang theory or something. I'm happy with that. I mentioned something about space, and then yep. people start sending me shit via email. About science. We get a lot of sort of quantum physics type, uh, a, a disproportionate amount. I oh, I love say. a bit of quantum theory. That's Nothing all right. That. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Bob says, scientists say, okay, dear Ian and Kev, <laughs> scientists say they've discovered a way to bind photons together in order to form a new molecule, which effectively means that Star Wars lightsabers will become a reality. What's the first thing you chop up? Uh, the first thing I would do before I would use one is get onto YouTube and rewatch for the 500th time the doofus that filled a fluorescent light with petrol. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen this. I think I have. And decided that the way to do this was to set fire to it, and uh, all manner of inflammable hilarity ensued, as you can imagine. Um, what the first thing I chop up? Uh, I don't know. I, you know the, the laser beam thing. Had one of those. Did you have one as a kid? The, the plastic. Of course. Thing? Everybody had got one, one of those. now. <laughs> I'm not joking. But have you got a, a better one now? Because the one as a kid was essentially plastic, and it, it was just a, a, essentially an elongated torch. Yes. Well, but, this still is, but it makes a noise now. Yeah, but some of them are a little... You can get some good memorabilia stuff. And I think there's a, a, a website where you can have a lightsaber shafts custom-made. Really? You can, have, you can order your own custom-made shaft online, which is pretty cool. But I think the thing is that in, t- in terms of practical science, they're not obviously going to give you a lightsaber to walk around with and like start just be decapitation crazy. You can't because you'd start chopping down old men in the street to see if they do the same. Is there thing anything the lightsaber cannot did. chop down? Is, is there, is, I is don't it, know. I'm not George is, Lucas. Is there something that it's you know that is impenetrable to a whack from a saber? I don't know. Yeah, but it, what I'm saying is, is that because you know, this is your terrain and territory, yeah, all that yeah. sci-fi guff. So you would know whether there's something, you know, the saber. Don't try this; it will never work. Well, Luke. I, but again, I mean, the actual your fictional lightsaber and your actual lightsaber are two different things. So T- yes, you'd have to talk to a scientist about that. But what I think, in terms of practical usage, having a a little lightsaber. So that you could you could cut your cheese, I think would be kind of cool. It would also melt your cheese, wouldn't it? We need to get a scientist on. Yeah, we'll get our science correspondent Mark Fox Smith back on at some point. That's a good idea. And He's ask due him, another visit. Yes, ask him about lightsabers. Lightsabers. Can he build us one? Yeah, he could build us a lightsaber, Ian. Do you know? I can't call him and ask him. You can't because he doesn't shut the fuck up <laughs> when you ring him. You ring him and say, Mark, you're going to come on the podcast. I'll say, yeah, what do you want to talk about? And I'll say, uh, what about lightsabers? And he'll go, oh, I love lightsabers. And then, I kid you not, he will go into 60 minutes worth of uh, anecdotes and stories about lightsabers, Star Wars, the possibilities, how he almost met George Lucas, which will probably be a true story. Yeah. I think it was, wasn't he an extra in... Doctor Who. Doctor Who, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, so it, it's kind of like, I'd have Mark on every week in an ideal world. I just don't want to talk to him that much. Fair enough. <laughs> Via Twitter, it's Mike Skinner, that apparently. One. Are you two lightweights fans of Jonathan and Charlotte? Who? Jonathan and Charlotte are, I think, the large lad, I say that kindly, yeah. who uh, either won or came somewhere in Britain's Got Talent, and his singing girl, no, singing partner, and they turned up on Britain's Got Talent either last year or the year before, 
and they sang and he did the sort of opera thing because he was a big lad. He had the sort of Pavarotti thing going on. Oh, People right. thought he looked like an opera singer in a cliched, but frankly rather stereotypical and a little bit outrageous sense of the word and that he sounded like one. He didn't. He just did that wobbly voice thing that people think <laughs> you're an opera singer, but if you went in front of the National Opera in this country, you'd be booed off stage within about half a second. Right. See Paul Potts for more detail on that. And then Simon Bates, not Simon Bates, Simon... <laughs> Yeah, I don't like your girlfriend, mate. <laughs> Good on you, loves. Great, loves a bit of operas. It's all lovely stuff, but ditch the chick. <laughs> and that was it, really. No, I want to see that on my TV now. <laughs> I want to see Bates critiquing acts on the television. That would be amazing. I want to see Bates presenting a show called Ditch the Chick. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to Ditch the Chick. This week, this. Andre, get Smooth Radio on the phone. We've got an idea. <laughs> So Cowell said, I like you, Jonathan, if this is the the couple we're talking about, but I, I don't like her, and she was clearly weaker than him right. as a singer. And he said, he was a very nervous lad, I think he'd had a, a bit of a rough time at school, because he was a big lad, but he was a really nice bloke, as is so often the case. Okay. So, he, ha- he clearly had a talent too. I'm not. I'm just. What I'm saying. He's not an international opera singer. He's a guy that sounds like an opera singer, and that seems to be the way. If you're a bit unsure about where you sit in in, in terms of talent, is your voice any good? If you can sort of sound a bit like an opera singer, they will just love you. Yes. Because they will think you're doing. Do that Nesson Dorma thing, and the audience will erupt. They haven't got a. F- clue whether you're good, bad or ugly <laughs> you just sound a bit like an opera singer so that seems to be the way forward upshot of all of this is that Jonathan and Charlotte uh, did in fact sign, I understand, a rather tasty record deal, Okay. not sure if it's via Cowell or uh, somebody else but, and I think they're, they're actually doing alright, which is amazing really because she, in my view, was not the best and he was only alright Who knew, eh? TV talent shows would come to this. Yep. I yearned for the days of New faces, whatever that was. Can I just say, if that isn't Jonathan and Charlotte, who I'm talking about, I do apologise to <laughs> whoever Jonathan Charlotte might be. Yeah. Yeah. From Hampstead Sally, they're making you clangers. Will Ian Collins be reprising his most famous role as the Iron Chicken? Is that right? I see Ian Collins, Iron, Iron Chicken. Chicken makes sense. I'd rather be the Soup Dragon. Well, the clangers are coming back, though. Gotta be happy about that. I only wish I knew as a kid that they were made, the clangers were made 20 minutes up the road from where I lived. Really? Where which they? I didn't know about in Canterbury, just outside. Oh. And as was Bagpuss as well. So Oliver Postgate, who was churning this stuff out from his... Well, they were all invented in his house. I think they were probably filmed there as well. I assume they, well, they his, probably Well, his son been. is involved in the new production. He's now taking it over, yeah. isn't it? I saw, I saw a TV reporter handling two of the, uh, the clangers. <laughs> And what's interesting is that if you handle a clanger, much like finger in the Magna Carta, <laughs> you, you have to wear a pair of white gloves. Oh, OK. Yeah. Either that or the reporter had eczema, I don't know. <laughs> but he was hold, wearing the sort of white gloves while uh, holding two while, while manipulating, while manipulating his clangers. the clangage. Yeah. And yes, it was great. Uh, so, so they're coming back. It was always... It's like a carry-on film, this podcast. <laughs> it's, it really? it's always slightly mental. Dev the Blue asks, Was Sideshow Kev the Milky Bar Kid when he was young? Yes. From Colm. I despair at the state of modern chip shops. What happened? <laughs> modern chip shops? <laughs> I don't know why people want our views oh, on them. Not back into the chunky chip argument. Well, I think in general, though, and I think this is something which you would agree with, the standard, the general standard of your chip shop is, is it's dipped a little, hasn't it? 
Strangely enough, not far from where I am at the moment, uh, there's a bloke opening a chippy, and there's a sign-up saying, open in, you know, two weeks. And inside there, he's got all the kid. And I was looking, I went past it, and I thought, that must be massively expensive. You've got to shift a lot of portions just to pay for your fryer. We're talking <laughs> about deep, fat lark, the likes of which most have never seen. Yeah. Heated cabinets, huge stainless steel counter. Thing. Wow. Lovely white, marbly effect sort of floor, shelf for your pickled eggs, all going on. So I don't know how many years you'd have to work, how much cod you've got to batter to turn a profit in one of those places. But I'll tell you this much. Chip shops are the only place in Great Britain where you can actually buy a can of Tizer. I don't know why that is, but they still sell That's it. That's very true. They still sell it. Nobody else does. That's very true. Me and my mum went for fish and chips in a pub the other day. Okay. And in we go. No, absolutely nobody in there. Looked at the menu. She said, I fancy fish and chips. And I said, I fancy fish and chips. Ordered the fish and chips. I kid you not, within about one and a half minutes, the fish and chips turned up. Amazing. I don't know how this happened. They were beautiful fish and chips, but I still don't know how it happened. Microwave technology? Well, yeah, that would make sense in one respect, but it didn't appear to be a a, a microwavable dish. Very fast. Did you doze off while you were waiting? Well, the the vortex of time. Ah. Yeah, it could have been that. So what's going on with the? Was it radioactive? Did it cook itself? It may have It came from Folkestone. It could be that Peter Capaldi was in the kitchen. You think it might have been? Could be. Oh, I'm just frying up some haddock for Molly. For a wee fish supper. (laughs) Where's my screwdriver? (laughs) And finally, Esther, from Jeppers. Is it really possible to live the good life existence? How long could you really survive on a cauliflower and a goat? (laughs) Well, it, frankly, it depends what you're doing to either, doesn't it? Hey, come on. Well, I mean, are you blanching the cauliflower? Are you milking the goat? Are you culling the goat? Oh, yeah, true. Yeah? Or are you just using the goat for milk and therefore some cheese? I don't know how many people really do the full good life experience. You can make some carrots. you grow anything in the old uh, commune? I grew some potatoes. What's the most success you've had with a bag of seeds? L-shaped carrots. L-shaped, L-shaped carrots. carrots. Because... I thought, well, I'm going to grow these. I won't put them in the ground because they really didn't want to put stuff in the ground, do they? So I put them in a tub and they grew very well. But when they got to the bottom, they sort of grew along the bottom. So they yeah. were L-shaped. Did you eat them? Yeah. They were sort of delicious. Yeah? Yeah. There's no punchline. You need to paint the L-shaped carrot. The L-shaped carrot. Yeah, because, you know, they're only orange uh, artificially, aren't they? They were only, I think it was, wasn't it William of Orange or something? They really? Were, I think there's some story about that. That they were made orange in his name or something. How strange. But originally they're either purple or white or something. So they made them orange and then everybody expects them to be orange now. And the oranger, the better. But of course, as we, you know, you grow stuff organically. Are you suggesting that they dye carrots? Essentially, yeah. They're really? painted with Dulux. <laughs> okay. Not in supermarkets, uh, where it's all natural. No, no, of course. If you've got any questions you'd like to send our way, kev at com. Ian at onceaword.com. We've got Howard Hughes. Oh, he's very good. I mean, he said, we know he's a news-reading journalistic god. We know that. His pedigree is there for all to see. But in addition, what was, I was tempted to say a sideline, but, you know, sort of fast becoming a rather large presence in this particular genre. He's an expert on paranormal data. He is. He's got the big five questions coming up a little later. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! 
Here we go, kids. It is that time again. Your suggestions for how to make the world a better place. Some things in life just need a swift rethink, a reworking, a rewiring of ideas in order to improve, usurp, or just outshine the status quo. Join us now, brethren, as we ask you for your suggestions on making life just a tad easier than it was yesterday. Welcome to our workshop. <laughs> that was great. It wasn't bad, was it? And we have plenty, Kev. Have you got any? I have two. Okay. As a matter of fact. Yeah. Now, this seems to be... <sighs> Men carry bags. You've got messenger bags, like your little leather satchel there, all that kind of thing. <laughs> all of that. You've got, um, you know, ladies obviously have handbags. Handbags. Uh, or, or purses, as I hear them being yep. referred to now in an American manner, which has to stop. Is that starting to happen? It is a little bit, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. You've also got a lot of guys carrying purses. You do, the yeah. kind of... What used to once be called a continental wallet, <laughs> which sounds like something else, doesn't it, really? <laughs> Yeah, it does a bit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I do notice footballers, you know, often clutching their little uh, their little sort of purse thing. Well, this is it. Yeah. It does seem, and I don't know if this is a... And every time I say something which is lady-specific, I don't want to come across as sounding like a sexist whacker. I know I already sound like a whacker, so I'm halfway there. <laughs> but it does seem to be that ladies who keep their mobile phones in their handbag have certain issues and my one of my ways yeah one of my ways to make the world a better place is very simple it's a chain that attaches from one end of the bag Mm. to the other end is the phone therefore when it rings you don't have that thing of so many people mainly ladies rummaging around in their bag for 20 minutes while their phone blares out something Uh, like the macarena uh, and they just can't find it and i think it would the person who has the phone in the handbag is happier. Yep. The people around the phone in the handbag are happier. The people who are making the little chain gimmicks sure. are happier. It works perfectly. Isn't it time we just bought back the Bluetooth headset, which frankly has just disappeared? It has a little bit, hasn't it? it? Well, it was always... I don't know why this was the case, but uh, usually uh, around about, I don't know, midday on a Sunday morning, you'd go for the usual retail stroll through somewhere like Comet, you usually saw a rather large guy with a bunch of keys on his belt, like a jailer, and an overambitious Bluetooth headset yes. attached to his ear. Yes, very true. Mooching around as if he was the police. The whole idea of, of, of being hands-free doesn't but You're missing something here. Your, your bag rummager, yep. when the phone rings, is then going to be rummaging through the bag for the Bluetooth okay. headset. So, either way. And they should have it on all the time. My other one is a, a very serious political point, because occasionally we do touch on political things here. So I, I feel the need to make uh, a suggestion to I the, think so. the current Prime Minister of the country, Mr. David Cameron. Yep. I mean, let's face it, he's not having a good time, but I can guarantee a way he can win the next election. This yeah. is a guarantee. And it's so startlingly obvious. Ooh. You're talking about policies. You're talking about coalition governments. Yeah. You've got uh, Miliband with his <laughs> powered rocket. You've got all of this going on. All Cameron has to do, very simply... Free beer and peanuts for 30 minutes on a Friday night at 5.30. Brilliant. You're going to win. You announce that. Minimal cost. Look what happens. How long for, though? 15 years. No, no. How, I mean, how long does the does it go on for on a Friday evening? Oh, just for half an hour. So for half an hour, yeah. you get free beer. Free beer and well, nuts. The country would just be pissed. Pissed and OD an an on nuts. In half an hour. You imagine the lawsuits from people with nut allergies. If you've got nut allergies, you can have some crisps you made in get- you can pa- get factory. so there'll be a nut yeah. friendly option. Yeah, of course. An allergy friendly option. Yeah, or some cheese cut with a lightsaber. Ah, Nancy, now you're talking. A cheese hour, yeah. I think, is what's missing. Definitely. That would make the world 
a better place. And I think it should be announced live on, <laughs> I don't know why, Channel 4, uh, every uh, Friday from the Prime Minister himself. Jon Snow could just say, now the Prime Minister and the PM would come on live from Chequers and go, hello, everybody, time to eat some cheese. Yeah, and yeah. just behind him, Samantha could hit a big gong. And away we go. It's a great idea. Although, yeah. speaking of, of beer and speaking of cheese, the lovely Mike Allen. We're not yeah. going to tell up Mike Allen's story quite. Don't even go there. This is a different Don't one. Don't even go there. Uh, but um, I used to he go... He liked cheese. Well, I, we were working together a few years ago, and um, he and I used to go to the pub and have a beer, and he would always order some cheese to go with his beer. Beer and cheese? It actually Hang on, what it sort works. of pub do you buy cheese from? You told me he ordered some cheese. He said, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Could I have some cheese? And they said yes, no charge, no charge for the cheese. So, sure, cheese behind the bar in the same capacity no, as no, crisps. Restaurant, or... in little sort of kitchen thing. Oh, I see. So you mean like like a, a plate of cheese? Well, he'd have cheese to put on, to put in dishes. So he would ask okay. for some for some cheese. That's odd, isn't it? Have his beer, and he'd, he'd have it's his like cheese. asking for an onion. <laughs> well, no, because you're not going to sit chomping on an onion, are you? You might do. I suppose so. Only with cheese. Uh, here's a couple. Uh, what about, I'd like to reintroduce. The quill. And the art... I'll expand on this. The art of Please. letter writing. Right. right. Uh, but only for a specific area, and that is for those who want to complain about radio and television programmes. <laughs> because we've we've sort of touched on this before. Once upon a time, if you wanted to write to Ofcom because you were outraged what you'd seen on the X Factor or you were unhappy about something you'd heard on the radio, you'd have to sit down and pen a letter. Yeah. And you'd write it, and you'd put it in an envelope, and you'd seal the envelope, you'd add a stamp, and you'd take a walk down to the post box to post the letter. Now, you don't have to do that. You just download a template from an orchestrated campaign, usually from some arsewipe on Facebook, yep. who's got an agenda that they want to annoy, ban, or get some level of recognition, some part of free speech they didn't like very much. So they get 25,000 people to sign the petition, which they haven't really signed. They've just passed it on. And then, lo and behold, the headlines in the fact 25,000 people want to sack Gary Barlow from The X Factor because of his comments about a boy band. And it's bollocks. Yeah. 25,000 people never really complained. It didn't actually happen. So all of those people, if they want their complaint registered, should be forced to write an Ofcom, that one department. Should, Maria Miller is the, the woman that runs that department. She should instigate a campaign that means any complaint has to be in writing, preferably with a quill. Uh, great. The other one is this. I also think we could do really well to employ the person who used to do that sort of bizarre commentary on the bumper cars at the fair. <laughs> Uh, as a commentator on petrol forecourts, <laughs> I'd like to bring that person into the forecourt. Yeah. Just really, mainly because of the utterly clueless manner with which people behave on forecourts. What is the idea of leaving a 15-foot gap between you and the car in front of you? You True. can't just select your own pump at will. You have to pick, choose and commit. Yeah. You can't wait on the road and go, oh, I'll just think I'll pick any one of the 12 that come available. And the reason you can't do that is because there's a f***ing queue <laughs> behind you, doofus. And then you've got to get close to it. You've got to know when to move to the one in front rather yep. than the one behind. Mm -hmm. You've got to know the etiquette for not doing 12 weeks shopping when you're etc. So you need that person who used to go, one way round, please, one <laughs> way round. You need that person in the forecourt just to add some sparkle and embarrassed.
doofus drivers. Genius. Uh, Stephen Keen Elliott says, My idea for making the world a better place, before a leader takes a country to war, his or her children should be conscripted into the armed forces, trained and then sent to the front line of the war that the leader has started. If they don't have their own children, then their nephews or nieces should be sent. If the war is justifiable enough for the Prime Minister, President, etc. to risk their own kids being killed, then we can send the rest of the army. If the leader doesn't think it's important enough to risk their own kids' lives, then they shouldn't send other people's. I mean, it's an argument I'm familiar with. I'm not sh- quite sure if it's fair enough, because most people who join the army are there out of choice. They mm. don't, they're not conscripted. So I don't know why we'd have to have the PM's kids. And their kids are the Prime Minister. I mean, the current Prime Minister's kids are like seven and eight. I don't think that would be right, would it? No, no. But I take the point. I mean, I I understand the spirit of the point. Zeff says, my idea to make the world a better place is this. Make Anton Dubeck illegal. (laughs) That is all. Good point. Phil, the mad monk from Maidenhead, says police officers should not be armed with batons or guns, but with a lion on a leash. (laughs) I like this. How much crime do you seriously think would be committed if the average dodgy tea leaf thought he was going to have his arse eaten by one of Africa's finest every time he went out with his swag bag? Under the light of a silvery moon, suddenly you'd hear, you know, Roger, wonderful, please let the bag go, otherwise we release the lion. Followed by a massive roar. Genius. Yeah, that would work. Perfect. Jellybean says, My idea to make the world a better place is very simple. It's so simple that I must have missed something. I would like to make it law that every government cabinet post has to be filled with a person who has experience in this area. Makes some sense. Makes perfect sense. Health would be a doctor or a nurse, agriculture, a farming type, that kind of thing. We have a millionaire in the Treasury, so they've made a good start, haven't they, really? (laughs) But I take the point that if you get somebody who knows what they're doing, the problem is you don't get somebody who's intellectually objective. You get somebody who has an experience, but they have an experience based on solely their own Bias, really. Yes. They will never look at the bigger picture. They could only look at it from their own viewpoint, which I know you can sort of always only do. But sometimes being an expert isn't oddly necessarily the best qualification. Well explained. This is from Old Man Lucas, who says, uh, Ian and Kev, I would like to make the world a better place. I will do this by the following. I will remove Gary Lineker from all TV programmes. Number two, I will make the Great British Bake Off compulsory viewing for all kids. Oh. You a viewer? No. Now, and it's one of those things, because people just love that show, adore it. No, but you know what's going to happen? It's going to BBC One, isn't it? Is BBC it? BBC Two. Right. So the little sort of secret status, which is one of the subliminal reasons why people like it, because oh, it's, it's not the... mainstream, gotcha. uh, that goes, and then suddenly everything's uh, huge, massive, and you don't want to watch it anymore. Well, no, I don't want to watch it now, though. Me neither. Uh, once you've seen one crust... <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Number three, says uh, old man Lucas, jail Eric Pickles for crimes of abject cattery. And number four, make everyone own a dog. I quite like that. And finally, Sven says, uh, ways to make the world a better place. Would it not be possible to make the House of Lords a place where only those in working class jobs are allowed to stand? This would surely give a more balanced outcome for the second chamber and make the place more representative of the average person or worker. Well, it wouldn't give a more balanced outcome. It would give the very opposite. Right, but consider this. He's obviously given that some thought and he's trying to make a serious political point. I'm the jackass who's talking about getting the entire country pissed and eating nuts at half past five on a Friday night. I think he's got a fair point. 
Uh, if you would like to make the world a better place, your suggestions, please. Ian at onceaword.com. Kev at onceaword.com. Still to come, Howard Hughes, paranormal man, journalistic god. He's on. He's got the big five questions. Will he be able to answer all five? Find out in a bit. Plus, a bit of this. And we take a pause in order to talk about you. Yes, that's you. You work hard, you know what you like, and you know a tasty vehicle when you see one. Just have a think about some of this, because you can now save up to £5,000 on the ultimate 4x4. I'm talking about the Mitsubishi Shogun, with prices starting from just 26199 and 0% finance across the range. You simply have to check out the website for some very special offers. Mitsubishi-cars.co.uk slash Shogun. The Mitsubishi Shogun, always capable, surprisingly affordable. Oh, we like this bit. It's sideshow. Oh, it's sideshow. It is side. side yeah, sideshow. <clears throat> Strange voice. Sound morbid. It's sideshow. Yeah. It's time for the band list. Audrey, get your finger out your arse and press the red button that says music for the band list. Band. Absolutely, I do like this one, Kev. It's the one you do that I like. Well, you know, we've been talking about. Uh, Great Britain, or the United Kingdom quite a lot in this podcast yes. this week, and uh, I feel it's therefore highly appropriate, and also completely coincidental, that we take a murky look into the swampy past of Great Britain and the law. And in many ways, laws that you would think would be banned because they're old-fashioned, but actually aren't. Many of these laws still exist. These are actual British laws that still exist. For example, Ian Collins... You've been to the Houses of Parliament, haven't you? Yeah, many times. Work. I work down there sometimes. You've slept in there a few times. Yep. You know, you, you love it. Did you know that since 1313, MPs have been banned from wearing a suit of armour in Parliament? When you say 1313, you don't mean quarter past one? No. OK, so no. the year, they're not yeah. allowed to wear. The law hasn't been Is repealed, right? so it still stands. Wow. Complete Python sketch there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Just... Folks standing oh, up in the clanking away like a moron. Yeah. Band! It's illegal in this country uh, to keep a pigsty in the front of your house. Is it? Yeah. Again, I refer you back to where I grew up. And <laughs> uh, believe me, the Bennett family down the road. The Bennett's. Pr- pretty much the Bennett. Filthy pack of merchants. Really? They had everything bar the actual pig. Nothing good ever came from a Bennett. Except Mr. Bennett on Take Heart. He was Except right. Mr. Bennett. Yeah. These Bennett's the kids. This is no word of a lie. The kids had flies on them. Yeah. Ugh. Seriously. Really? Well, the whole family did. Well, like yes. nits. Yeah, but actually, like, as they walked down the road, flies were around, like swarms of flies. Oh, man. Because they were smelly. <laughs> the strange thing is, old man Bennett was a really nice bloke. Was he? he always used to say hello to us, but we were a bit scared of him because he stank like a polecat. That is banned! It's still an offence to beat or shake any carpet rug or mat in any street in the Metropolitan Police District. Did you know that? Is that right? Yeah. Although you are allowed to shake a doormat before 8am. <laughs> so if you beat your rug... <laughs> Stop, Stop it. it. If you beat your rug, uh, which obviously is the old kind of, you know, the, the, the archetypal sort of East End, scrub the step, beat the rug image, that's technically an arrestable offence. It is. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't do it. Rug merchants. Uh, Metropolitan Police Act 1839, section 60. Oh, that's okay. Hear about such things. Banned, banned, banned. Hello, cabbies. It's illegal for a cab in the city of London to carry rabid dogs or corpses. 
Well, that's just common sense, isn't it? <laughs> it's illegal, That's just though. to stop people murdering people and dogs. Right, no. The corpses, you know, that kind of makes sense. Yes. But, you know, let's say a black cab's rolling through town and it stops and there's a rabid dog on the pavement. She's like, Roro. <laughs> Piccadilly. <laughs> yeah, it's unlikely to happen. Is there going to be a you mad, I'm livid line coming up here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that is so f***ing banned. Up to Scotland now. Uh, it's an offence to be intoxicated and in charge of a cow in Scotland. <laughs> I like that, Because yeah. I don't know, if you're drunk, are you going to, like, push I, it in well, someone's I, garden? I, I guess it, well, I guess it comes down to the fact that once upon a time, you know, a bit, a bit of livestock uh, carried more weight in terms of its value and therefore its uh, significance and therefore your status. So to be drunk in charge of one was kind of like being in drunk at work almost. It's part of the Scottish Alcohol Licensing Act of 1872 really? and also includes horses yeah. and steam engines. Okay. Um, and carries a penalty of over a grand, excluding the costs of looking after the cow. That's a lot of money. So you'll get a grand and then they'll say, oh, we had to buy some hay, uh, so we're going to charge you for the hay. Well, why they looked after the cow? Yeah, so we your had, cow was impounded. We have to. We had to clean up wow. its its cow pattage. So that law goes back to the eighteen hundreds. Uh, fascinatingly, the, the the pounding now of cars, ha, ha, the same spirit applies. You know, they they will Presumably. load on the, 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 the. So it's not it's not new. The notion of taking something and then charging by the day. I have nothing more to add to that. Me neither. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at sideshow underscore kev. Email me, kev, at onceaword.com, or ignore me completely. I don't mind. I never wanted to be your friend anyway. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness. Earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. And I promised you, Kev, uh, drop a paranormal detail. Oh, yeah. Uh, who else uh, would you want to have down your line talking paranormal data than... Uh, top journalist, news reading god, and paranormal expert, Ooh. I can now say, Mr. Howard Hughes, Howard Hughes! is back on with us. Hey, hey, hey. Ian and Kev, how nice to talk to you. And can I say that you picked the right guy for the gig? That, you're not wrong. Well, you're no, not... I'm not. I'm, I'm seldom wrong for long. We, we looked at all the Howard Hughes's available to us, <laughs> and the, <laughs> it just kept coming back to you, Howard. Well, yes, it would, because there are very few of them. Um, and, and the most important one is unfortunately dead. Although he was played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie, but, uh, you know, your choice is fairly limited. Having said that, you know, I can only reiterate that, uh, you know, you have come to your one-stop shop for this material. Indeed, who is very much alive. And, well, maybe after you've answered some of these questions, the authorities (laughs) might have something to say about that. Hey, don't don't quip about that. Well, listen, Mike in Herne Bay is our first question. We've got the big five here for you, Howard. Mike says, given the existence of the internet and social networking, will governments ever be able to seriously lie to their people again? Now, of course, that presupposes governments have lied before, and those that subscribe to conspiracy theories and the like will have us believe that they lied over all manner of uh, events right up to the current day. But the spirit of the question there, Howard, is will, will lying become an impossibility for states? I think lying will not become an impossibility, no matter what kind of technology we have. Uh, lying is a term that politicians don't like to use. Back no. in the 80s, uh, somebody, I forget who it was, but I suspect it may have been a conservative politician, came up with the, the phrase, economical with the truth. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do, yeah. So, 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 so it's been economical with the truth. 
Well, politicians are frequently economical with the truth, uh, not least in these areas of ufology, anything paranormal, anything that uh, might destabilize society, frighten people, anything like that. They will find ways for not telling us the truth. Now, how do I know that? Well, because of some of the people I've talked to on my podcast, The Unexplained, which yep. I'm very pleased that you mentioned, Ian. It, <laughs> <laughs> it is the... Well, frankly, that is the only place you want to be going to, is it not, Kev? The Unexplained <laughs> podcast. It is. If you want a, a, a fuller version of the uh, microcosm of paranormal detail we're discussing here. Well, if you want a total exposition, that is the place to go. But... There are people like, for example, a recent interviewee, and I was really pleased to get him. Uh, 90 years of age, the man is, still spry, sprightly, and as um, intelligent as Nicholas Parsons, who's also 90. Uh, Paul Hellier, the former oh. Defence Minister of Canada. Oh, I thought you were going to say Peter Capaldi, the new Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> So the former Defence Minister of Canada, that's a great guest to have on. Yeah, I, he, he was a terrific guest. I had him on the radio about seven or eight years ago, and I still had his number, and I thought I'm going to try and get him on and get an update from him. And this time round on the podcast, he was, he was better even than he was on the radio. He was superb. And he puts a very cogent case for the fact that we simply have not been told the truth for years. Now, here is a man who was connected, connected to heads of state, connected to people in the Canadian government, connected at the highest level to people in the military. Yeah. And this guy knows if he is saying that, and at 90 years of age, he's got zero to lose now. Yeah, I but I, mean, I, don't, got... I don't want to stereotype here, Howard, but he's Canadian. They, <laughs> they, they thought uh, electricity and hot water was a paranormal <laughs> trick, didn't they? <laughs> Up until about 96. I put that point to him. <laughs> Only at the end of our conversation. <laughs> no, I, look, look, I think you will get a fair and balanced view from a Canadian that you won't get from an American. I think you're right. I love America, and I love Americans, and a lot of my guests are American. Yeah. And, you know, if I could live in a different part of the world, I would choose America. But the truth of the matter is that people have in America, in a way that they don't in Canada and in this country, an almost childlike belief, many of them, most of them, that the government is on their side, yeah. and that nothing bad will happen to them. I don't think you find that. In, I think there's more scepticism yeah, yeah, yeah. elsewhere. Here's another question from Dave the Chicken Man oh, in Newcastle, <laughs> who says... I wonder yeah. how he got that name. These are the standards we're, we're dealing with here, Howard. Uh, he's, Dave says, what so far has been the most plausible explanation for people seeing ghosts, and does Howard believe in them? Uh, I do, but I'm not entirely sure that they are necessarily the spirits, in inverted commas, of deceased people. I think uh -huh. the ghosts are from the evidence that I've heard from the many guests that I've talked about on this subject, or talked to uh, on this subject. I think that they're either imprints on a location of an event that happened, and then that event simply runs itself. It was so powerful that it runs itself over and over again, uh, and your brain can pick that up on some level that we don't entirely understand. Mix in the other factor in this that I think people in many ways are connected. How many times have you thought something and discovered somebody else was thinking the same thing, or come up yeah. with an idea, and yeah. then found out that somebody else was on the same track. Yeah. This happens all the time, and I think this is part of it. I think it all yeah. ties into that. And we have mental capacities that we may have known about thousands of years ago, but we've forgotten about yeah. now. But yeah. they still exist, and they still impinge on our day-to-day -day lives. We just simply don't understand them. That's very true. I mean, only the other day, you know, Kev was weeping in the corner. I said, you know, what's, what's, what's wrong? And he said, you know, I, I don't think I'm very good, which is interesting, because I'd had exactly the same yeah. thought. Yeah. Uh, well, we all uh, have for years. Just yeah. an hour <laughs> or so yeah, before, let's, Yeah, we? let's gang up on old sideshow. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs>
Here's another question. Oh, this yeah. is from Penny Black, who says, I have a question for Howard. Since you have been presenting paranormal-type programmes, oh, yeah. have you ever had someone contact you with info that you are not supposed to know? This happens with other forms of journalism and subject areas. Why not the paranormal stroke intelligence-based issues? Very, very good question, Penny Black. And I can tell you that just weeks ago, uh, another one of my guests uh, mentioned to me in an interview that he had some information based on something that a couple of people had told him that we would be in the UFO field, absolute, utter dynamite. And I said, well, look, I appreciate the fact that you can't tell me what this is now, and I tried all the journalistic ruses for trying to get it out of him anyway, which you do. And he was pretty good. He was closed up like a clam, couldn't get anything out of it. But he did say that this material, if everything went right for him, would be available towards the end of this year. Wow. So watch this space, www.theunexplained.tv, because the guy promised me that if this all comes to pass, he's going to tell me first. There it I mean, is. I, I'm not pulling your leg here. This is serious material we're talking about. And the man I was talking to, who I won't name for his sake, uh, sure. I don't doubt, is on to something. All the W's, the unexplained.tv. Uh, right. Oh, yes. Here's one from Ahmed on Facebook. He says, do you think outfits like NASA really know stuff that we don't know? Or do they just like to create that impression to keep their status and that of their governments happy? NASA in the past, and the best person to talk to about NASA is Richard C. Hoagland, the American space expert who appears on a lot of the big American shows. He worked for NASA for a while, and NASA works on multiple levels. It works on a need-to-know basis, so people working on one level at NASA won't know what people on another level at NASA are doing, so that nobody has the full and complete picture. It's need to know. That's how a lot of organizations work. And if you ever wondered how secrets are kept, that's how it happens. That said, NASA has done things in the past, I'm sure, to protect its budgets. It was less than transparent, for example, when the, uh, the Challenger space shuttle accident happened. And it took a full investigation at the highest level to bring out that information as to the contractors who were involved and those O-rings, if you remember, the rubber seals that failed. Um, it took a great deal to bring that information out, and it nearly didn't come to light. Uh, does NASA keep things secret? Does it keep things quiet? I think there's a very good case to be put for the fact that uh, astronauts like Neil Armstrong, who was very, very quiet, mm -hmm. and said very little about his experiences on the moon. He, he was a very private man yeah. in his later years. Very good evidence, I would say, for the fact that astronauts experience things and know things that they have not been able to divulge. This is a serious business we're talking about. You know, these are areas where people disappear. You, you, do, you do wonder, as you say, with Neil Armstrong, who very rarely gave interviews, didn't really talk about it, and, you know, if you'd been to the moon, you'd think you'd be, you'd never stop talking about it. He had the demeanour of somebody who'd been to Margate. I don't know about <laughs> the moon. <laughs> yes, the common explanation of why he was so tight-lipped about everything and why he retreated into academia, why he became a lecturer at a university and taught for his latter years. The common explanation is because this man was not used to public appearances. Well, I don't know how you can go through the space program, mm. and photo calls and all the rest of it, yeah. and appear on television from the moon and give a running commentary from the space capsule. Yeah. 
and, and be a private person like that. That's not the evidence that we saw. Plus all those... There's something more to this. Yeah, all those appearances he made in the 60s on YouTube as well. There's loads of those. Yeah, loads. loads yeah, thousands. Here's the priest. The case <laughs> is beginning to form, I would say. Here's a final one from Laurie in Manchester. Right. Do you think that Western governments drop hints about their global agenda via films and culture? It's often said that events like 9-11, the death of JFK, etc., were predicted in various ways through cinema and literature. What does Mr Hughes think about this, and is he familiar with this theory? Well, 9-11 was supposed to have been predicted in a movie. I think quite often, whether this is a deliberate thing or whether it's just simply the backwash of events through time. In other words, a big event, as a couple of experts have told me, will often have an impact not only on the future, but will also, like ripples in a pond, the impact of that event will spread backwards through time. So people may actually unconsciously know about a thing that's coming. In short, I think it's possible that um, there, are, there are hints everywhere yeah. in things that may transpire. Um, do governments who know more than we do drop hints to us and prepare us for things that will happen? I think you'd have to be daft not to believe that that was the case. I think that is so, and there are so many instances of this through history. Okay. And if you remember that... Uh, very recently, yet again, Armageddon was shown on the TV. At the moment, we have a comet that is heading towards this planet. Ooh. A lot of people have predicted that Comet Ison, I-S-O-N, will cause all sorts of havoc. Um, I've spoken to experts who say that is not the case. But one of these days, something will head our way from mm. space, and it will present us with a problem. When is that comet arriving? That comet is, is actually due... Well, it's, it's first pass, because it's coming around again, yes. in the words of Carly Simon. Um, it, it's first pass is due, I shouldn't make light of it, really, to pardon the expression, but it's first pass is due next month, in November. I've just downloaded a new calendar app, and I'd <laughs> like to put something in there. Maybe that's the, uh, that's the no, first thing the I should put. It's going to be the peak. Okay, Maybe we'll get it uh, Listen, Howard, it's always a pleasure to have you on with us, sir. Uh, we want everybody to go to your website and also download your podcast. It is uh, all the W's, the unexplained.tv. Uh, lots of information there. And, of course, that podcast, very regular shows from Howard Hughes. And we thank you again, Howard, for joining us here on our podcast, sir. Ian and Kev, you are both gentlemen and scholars. Oh. That is Howard Hughes, everybody. <laughs> you can't be unhappy about that. Credit stream. Ah, there you go. No snogging at the back. And ta-ta. We are, of course, back in two weeks' time. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, then get over to iTunes to rate, review, and, of course, subscribe. If you're an Android user, try the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thank you to all of our guests. Every one of them can be found on Twitter, as can we. At once a word. The intro feature and sponsor music by Kevin McLeod. His website, incompetech.com. The show's technical operator, Andre Porch. Program edited by Tracer Brandt. Our intern was Matt from The One Show. And today's utterly gobsmacking fact comes from Henry in Rill, who tells us that Edward VII once got so annoyed with his court jester that he bit off the man's testicles and fed them to his pet dog. What a nice man. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back, not in one, but in two weeks. It's half-term and all that stuff, with comedian Sean Hughes. He'll be sitting on our couch. Until that moment in time, goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. <laughs> Big Things! Another Ian Collins Once a Word Fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi Outlander. 
The word automobile is a mix of the French word auto, which means self, and mobile, which means moving. The word outlander means intelligent, economical, luxurious, and safer than ever. Perfect for moving yourself around in serious style. Ding dong, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs>